Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast this morning. Hi, Jonathan. Good to be back. So, Alan, we've got three stocks that we're going to be discussing as usual. However, um, let's start off with a delve into the UK markets. Now, in recent weeks, we've been discussing in some detail uh, the commodity super cycle. Indeed, what's happening uh, with some of the base metals and what that means for, for miners. Of course, we've touched on on numerous occasions over the last few months on the oil companies and then the recovery in oil and what that means for them. But today, I think we should probably have a look at another sector, which is very important for the UK markets. Uh, Indeed, um, quite a large constituent of the FTSE 100, and that is the banking sector. Um, A rather apt time to do so, given today we've had Lloyd's results out, and that's after about a week or so of results from the banks that have included Lloyd's, uh, the newly named NatWest Group, Barclays and HSBC. Uh, One of the things which is most notable from these um, sets of results is the resumption of dividends. Now, Lloyd's has declared uh, a dividend of 0.57 pence per share. Um, so, um, you know, with a, a share price of uh, around 40p, you, you're looking at a yield there just above uh, the 1% mark. So nowhere near where they were. So it's an obviously a, a tentative move back into dividend payments. Again, HSBC, a tentative move. They're going to be paying 15 cents uh, per year, as opposed to initiating again their quarterly payments, and of course this this is something that they they would have to do in a measured way. That the, the FCA um, said, obviously that the Bank of England, sorry, um, said uh, just before Christmas um, that they were going to be sort of looking at lifting the re- restrictions on the payouts from banks. So this is one of the first moves from them. Given the the moves that we've seen today, is this something that you feel could be built upon going through 2021? Or really, if you're an income investor at this point in time, maybe um, the banks aren't going to be the stocks for you if you're looking towards the the higher yielding shares going forward? It's a a difficult balance to maintain for for the banks, isn't it? Uh, uh, Of course, it's great news that we've seen Lloyd's uh, reintroduce or reinstate the dividend this morning at 0.57%. Um, um, and of course, the profits uh, did beat analyst uh, expectations of just under a billion. The profits came in at 1.2 billion. So so that's that that's good news. It's a promising sign. But of course, these the, the, the old the old school banks still have huge overheads to deal with. Um, they've the Lloyd's have promised a, a cost cutting drive. Um, they're going to going to sort of cut office space by twenty percent over the next three years. Um, HSBC, of course, uh, announced the same. Um, uh, well, in, in fact, a, a larger cut, a forty percent cut. So, so of course, this is these are the challenges that the the um, uh, the in situ banks face at the moment. Um, and of course, 
on top of that, they have the the challenger banks to to compete with um, the likes of Metro, uh, of course, which are, um, although Metro is a, a, an old an old school new style bank, um, but of course they have the the online uh, banks uh, using the open banking initiatives such as Starling and and Tide, um, and of course uh, a whole raft of new products coming into the marketplace to take uh, taking full advantage of. Uh, modern technology with none of the overheads and legacy issues that the old banks have. But um, certainly from an investment standpoint, um, I think historically banks have always been part of any good portfolio mix. And uh, the fact that um, Lloyd's a signalist intention, you know, one of the banks that was bailed out by the UK government, it's now reinstating the dividend. I think that's a good sign. Um, signals some confidence in the future. Um, for the bank and its strategy and its ability to compete, most importantly. So um, that indicates to me that there is, firstly, potential upside in the share price. So at this level, um, you could see reasonable value. Um, and also, obviously, the attraction of a dividend too. But um, uh, whether that can be maintained remains to be seen. But certainly, at the moment, I I certainly hold Lloyd shares and Barclays shares, um, so I will continue to do so until um, until there is a, a significant change uh, uh, on um, the, uh, uh, coming through from the, the challenger banks. So just just looking at the uh, you know the FTSE one hundred listed uh, more traditional banks, of course, before the financial crisis, uh, they were a real powerhouse um, for uh, for investors. Now that we're we're moving through Brexit, and of course we're moving through the uh, the worst impact of, uh, of of the pandemic, I mean, how important do you think it is that these uh, banks once again begin to to thrive? Um, and, and how do you see the sort of position of these banks playing out, um, and how that progresses? Due to any possible regulatory changes going forward, um, in an effort to really get our banking system going, um, that there's been a number of reports um, in the last few weeks that London's lost uh, certain titles, such as the uh, such as Europe's main share trading hub to to Amsterdam. How important is it for for banks to really grow and and sort of be um, somewhat what they were before the financial crisis? And, and is that an opportunity for investors or do you think that ship has, has completely sailed now and we're going to be looking at more utility type banks going forward and, and really not playing as big a part in, uh, in, in markets and investors' portfolios as they once were? Well, I think investors are seduced by what goes into their pocket first and foremost. So, so regardless perhaps of the, the macro picture and the longer term outlook, um, I think in the short term, the reintroduction of the dividend um, does put the banks back in focus as an attractive investment. So, um, and, and, you know, I include institutions in this too. Uh, the cornerstone, you know, institutional investors are looking for income as well as growth. And I think currently there there is a the, the banks offer some potential for growth, not the potential they offered, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago, but certainly there is potential for growth. And also, they do have huge financial resources at their command to be able to pivot and complete. But I think the the issue is they still have these legacy overheads, uh, 
such as property and office space, which they're moving to cut down. But of course, that process takes time. So um, I think on balance, the banks as an investment proposition for institutional and retail investors, um, they get the benefit of the doubt, certainly from me at this uh, present moment in time. But um, uh, clearly, uh, also, it's also well worth keeping an eye on the progress of the challenger banks, the the new generation open banking uh, apps that we see, like Starling and Tide, as I've mentioned, um, and a host of other uh, a host of other um, uh, finance uh, opportunities that are, are coming to the marketplace. Um, one we're going to talk about shortly, of course, uh, and I, there is a big change going on. So um, it's really whether the bank banks can keep up with that change, but. The reintroduction of the dividend certainly signals to me that they have confidence in their future, certainly in the short term. Indeed. So you obviously mentioned their um, new entrance to the market, which is uh, what we're going to move on to now in, in our first uh, company that we're going to be discussing today. Now, I mean, one of the, the, the biggest risks to some extent uh, pe- people may class this as to the, the entire financial system is the emergence of um, cryptocurrencies, in particular Bitcoin. It's, it's starting to provide a real alternative to the traditional systems um, of centralization uh, that go through central banks and, of course, organizations such as the, the banks we've just discussed there in Lloyd's, NatWest, Barclays and HSBC uh, rely on is really starting to grow. Um, we, we've seen a number of high-profile co- companies announcing purchases of, of Bitcoin. Uh, we've seen the price go through 50000 Of I think we've had a bit of a drop back in recent days, uh, but I'm, I'm sure if, if uh, that trend continues, we'll, we'll start to see it go higher again. And one of the companies we're going to discuss now is, is um, Mode. Now, that's uh, a company offering payment um, solutions focusing on Bitcoin. What's the uh, what's the latest been from them, Alan? Okay, so I, I did a piece on Mode on a, another podcast channel a few weeks ago, but uh, the company has progressed significantly since that point, and uh, you know it it just highlights the pro- the ability to progress and it, it deliver exponential growth without the overheads of, of, of the legacy banks. So Mode, um, the Epic code is M-O-D-E. The company IPO'd um, in, uh, in, in October last year at, uh, at uh, 51 pence um, and currently has a market cap of 55 million. Shares trading at 68p. They've already hit highs, um, highs of, of 78 pence on the year. That was, that was uh, uh, well, I think this week, actually. Um, and um, and uh, the, the company... Um, bases its offering around uh, what they call the super app and um, and Bitcoin. So the, the 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 objective and the mission of Mode Global is to bring payment and loyalty industries up to date into what they call the next generation financial ecosystem. Um, so in doing this, they have they have a platform through which you can trade Bitcoin. Um, and the company took the decision at the outset to have its uh, uh, to to hold. Uh, Bitcoin as its its primary currency in Treasury, um, and indeed it uh, it um, it has uh, it, a lot of the success that we've seen early in 2021 has been off the back of huge growth in both in um, in deposits and payments and trading in Bitcoin, and of course 
the well-documented uh, growth we've seen in Bitcoin. So the, the Mode Super app um, has a USB straight away in that if you uh, move your Bitcoin holdings uh, into your Mode app or if you trade Bitcoin, the Bitcoin that you hold receives a 5% um, interest per annum. That's um, APR per annum, which is which is uh, quite unique. Um, but also, uh, you can see uh, how that makes sense uh, for Mode because it then brings a lot of Bitcoin into the group, into in, in, into their control as uh, as funds on deposit. Um, with the app, uh, you, uh, the trading fees for Bitcoin are the lowest around, 0.99%, I believe is the, is the commission currently. Um, plus, you can make free and instant sterling deposits and withdrawals um, uh, um, uh, 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 worldwide, the, the company also um, owns uh, two, uh, two, two, two payment uh, platforms uh, um, from partnerships uh, with Tencent, uh, which is WeChat Pay um, and Alipay, um, and has partnerships with, with those platforms. Um, and of course, a lot of traffic uh, that comes through those apps um, already uh, is, is being processed through mode. So um, the, the company or, or the mode super app has received great uh, uh, reviews on the app store. Um, they're, they're also, they've also have a, have an option for peer to payer payments. So you can introduce your family or friends to use the app and receive a commission for, uh, for, for that as well. So highly, highly attractive. Um, they're developing a payment solutions and loyalty solutions uh, program for businesses. Um, and uh, of course, the the app also provides the company with with a really good understanding um, of what their customers want and how they how they use the app, um, um, so they can develop uh, the the payments and the loyalty solutions in innovative innovative ways and ways that fit in with the with their customer requirements. So um, the uh, moving forward, um, the the, the uh, the company has literally broken records every month. Um, in, uh, in in February, the company said trading volumes had rocketed 130% from December. Um, and since the IPO, they've grown 110% uh, month on month. Um, um, the, we've also seen the uh, the chief um, commercial officer for um, Mode, Rita Liu, um, appearing live on, on uh, various business uh, business uh, programs. Uh, she was most recently live on Sky and just discussing the progress of the group. Um, and indeed today, uh, well, in, in fact, last week they launched an open bank, open banking pay, payment solution um, uh, uh, offering lower fees and instant payments for e-commerce merchants. Um, uh, basically, uh, you can pay online by scanning a QR code. Um, and uh, today, um, this is uh, uh, Wednesday, February 24th, they have um, th there's a payment uh, product demonstration launch uh, which will be running uh, the, the company announced today which will be running tomorrow so you can log in and and view that and just get an idea of what the company are, are all about so th they've made a lot of progress um, the 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 company has uh, you know a, a fairly substantial market cap at this juncture but um, I think the progress they've made already the amount of Bitcoin they have on deposit, um, you know the, the the fact that they've uh, they have the they have Bitcoin as their um, um, as up to ten percent of their cash reserves um, uh, overall, and it's their Treasury's reserve asset. I think is makes it a highly attractive and uh, 
and um, a, a unique platform to uh, to use and to to use as a payment transfer system and also to trade Bitcoin. So, I mean, with Mode, of course, you just mentioned there uh, a, a huge element of their business is holding Bitcoins. So of course, as Bitcoin goes up, that then becomes more valuable. But, I mean, is that going to be one of the um, main attractions for investors going forward? Um, and, and if it's not, what um, is a sort of timeline and expectation that investors should maybe be looking for in terms of the rollout of their um, payment products um, going forward because that's obviously going to bring businesses in and yep. brings it to to the mainstream. I mean, is that something that investors should be looking forward to this year in providing impetus for the, the share price to go higher? Or do you think we, we need to go through a launch process with that and then, of course, um, work towards a critical mass there in terms of users on the platform and then in, in the short term, maybe it's just a story about the price of, uh, of, of Bitcoin there. Or do you think that's going to provide, in terms of the payments uh, pr- uh, products launch, some, uh, some upside in the, in the near future? Yeah, well, uh, certainly the payment product launch uh, um, has, has the, 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 uh, the company stated last week that it's uh, scheduled for launch in quarter two. And um, t- tomorrow online, as I said, they, the company um, are lo- launching a product demo of their of the, of the payment system. So there'll be you can actually log in and view this, and there'll be there'll be a panel discussing um, how this can be utilised, the, the practical um, aspects of uh, utilising the, the the payments app on your system, and of course the the various uh, rewards and, and offers that that will go with that. Um, but certainly, um, in, in, that's going to be it, it, clearly uh, the, the the company are going to earn plenty of revenues from the the payment solution um, going forward. Um, but but also uh, the plans for the future do, in, do include um, other currencies such as Ethereum, which will be coming soon um, as 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 the company goes forward. So the, it's it's really um, about facilitating. The easy transfer of funds. Um, uh, so, so, if you've got, say, funds in a credit card or funds in your bank, and you want to transfer it to somebody, you can do it via the app. So, it's a one wallet solution, and it's an instant, seamless process. Um, it's got uh, the the security on the app is uh, is has been likened to Fort Knox. You know, it's a uh, it's incredibly secure piece of kit, and uh, the, the it pro- certainly the market leader in its field at the moment. But I think I think uh, you know, the bedrock of all this still going forward certainly for the for the uh, for the near term is the fact that uh, people are trading bitcoin they're also moving their bitcoin assets into mode because they can earn interest on it and that's uh, that's uh, that's the USB which I think will really get a lot of people using it in the first place. Indeed I mean just sort of comparing the the, the market cap um, to uh, another company very much involved in the crypto area in in Argo blockchain a huge difference there in the uh, in, in the market cap there and of course very different businesses and very at very different stages of uh, of their life cycle but of course I mean that does highlight when you look at Argo blockchain with a market cap of a uh, around eight hundred and fifty million it was was one billion uh, a few days ago um, the potential of where a business operating in in blockchain could and, and on indeed Bitcoin could uh, go. So I'm sure one that we're going to be revisiting again later on this year as we start to see their additional products 
roll out um, and one we're going to be watching with uh, with great interest. So moving on now, Alan, we're going to touch on a company here that we have discussed uh, in some detail previously, but there's been a lot happening there. It's British Honey uh, listed on the Aquis Exchange. What's the uh, the latest update from them? Okay, so British Honey Company, um, they are, uh, well, they they, they they uh, they say in the, in the blurb on the website that uh, they're the leading independent honey producer in the UK, producing you know seven million tons per annum. But um, they've very much diversified uh, almost uh, immediately after launch um, with uh, developing um, a number of spirit brands and uh, uh, distilling their own spirits and uh, uh, and also uh, uh, distributing their in-house keeper spirit brand through um, the likes of Waitrose, Majestic, Amazon, uh, Not on the High Street, and, and so on. Um, they have their own HMRC-compliant bonded warehouse with and their own bespoke IT platform uh, to support uh, end-to-end um, full traceability for each bottle and jar that goes through the system. So a, a very good bedrock uh, on which to build the business. Um they also got involved during the crisis uh, in uh, selling alcohol, sanitizer, and PPE uh, equipment, um, and uh, th- things started to move for them uh, toward the end of last year. Um, they were moved to the apex section of the Aquis market, um, which uh, basically the apex apex section of Aquis identifies um, uh, high potential growth companies. 25% of the company in public hands uh, with two market makers. So uh, um, uh, certainly uh, British Honey Corp ticks, ticked all, all the box in in, in that regard. Um, they, the company uh, also has uh, launched a series of uh, joint ventures last year, a joint venture with uh, Cottesmore, uh, uh, where each party uh, invested up to a million to sell and operate a distillery on the Tusmore Park estate in Oxfordshire. Um, they also, in August, launched a global licensing agreement with English Heritage, uh, at, uh, initially at over 400 monuments uh, uh, across the country, and that's expanded uh, ongoing. Um, they also uh, very cleverly uh, uh, announced a share swap with a company called List Distillery in Florida, which gives them a footprint in the US. Um, as a result of that share, share swap, uh, List owns 4.5% of British Honey Company. Well, it did until the the uh, the, the placing that took place uh, um, uh, uh, last week, which I'll discuss in a second. And um, uh, British Honey Company owns ten percent of List Distillery, so uh, a, an opportunity there to share resources, um, uh, uh, um, uh, utilize scalability, and of course, uh, as I say, gives uh, British Honey Company a footprint in the US. So, um, uh, in January, the company um, announced. Uh, uh, a big jump from September to October in online revenue. Um, uh, uh, basically, the, the uh, online revenue previously represented 18% of turnover, and that's now at 30%. So um, that, that's a very encouraging sign for the group. Um, and uh, the the uh, the company had cash at that point of two and a half million um, in the bank. Um, last last week, the company announced. Uh, that it had uh, raised um, 4.6 million in cash in a placing at 110 pence and also secured a convertible loan note of 1.6 million from its largest shareholder. Um, In that placing, I should say, the board also invested 200,000 as well. So good to see strong support 
from the board uh, with skin in the game. Um, the uh, the the placing was uh, was put together to uh, complete an acquisition of Union Distillers. Um, the acquisition uh, uh, has cost the company eight million uh, with a two million earnout, and uh, with the um, the acquisition uh, um, is a mix of cash six six uh, just just over six million cash and shares uh, for the rest. So, sorry, five million cash and three million shares. Um, uh, the uh, the acquisition unions distillers has two hundred fifty thousand cash of its own on on the book, um, and last year uh, there were revenues of five five million with the pre tax profit of one point one three million. So this is an earnings enhancing acquisition. Of course, the economies of scale it brings to a British Honey Company are pretty considerable. So the shares uh, haven't really moved a great deal. I mean, there's been very little up and down movement. A low of 112 pence and a high of 122. Currently trading uh, a mid price of 116 and a half pence. Um, uh, and I see, uh, I think there's huge growth potential in this company, um, given the popularity of of um, of uh, niche uh, spirit brands um, uh, and and uh, also the distribution network the British Honey uh, uh, have, of course. Um, Will enable them to distribute uh, the uh, the ever growing portfolio of brands that it has under its control. So, um, the, uh, the the company is run by um, Michael Williams, uh, who's uh, who's a, a long established um, uh, well respected businessman, former uh, Hewlett Packard, uh, Cognos, um, in, in involved in a number of uh, successful sales and 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 uh, and um, and uh, achievements in his business career. The, the company born in Philip Sears last year as the new chairman, former Credit Suisse and Phoenix Securities. So a very strong board in place there to see British Honey uh, Company develop and grow through 2021. 20, so, Alan, when look at, looking at this company, they've, they've made uh, an acquisition there. I do think the strategy for British Honey going forward in terms of growth is going to be one that's driven by acquisitions, given that the nature of of the spirits market, of course, there's a uh, you know a number of established players in there, you know, owned by you know some of the, the bigger brands uh, that we won't go into, but they obviously have a, a long established uh, uh, you know foothold in, in the markets. I mean, is it a case for a company like British Honey that they're going to have to be forced into growing their their portfolio through acquisitions to achieve higher growth, so that their way of, of gaining more share of, of the spirits market is by increasing their number of brands as opposed to organically growing their existing brands I think there's there's a combination there that they, they, they um, of course the the, uh, the the idea initially was to infuse a lot of the spirit brands with honey which of course it, it has done but um, I think that's probably uh, I, I'm the, the the market there I, I believe it is fairly limited. So they probably exported that market as much as possible. But as you've already said, and, and I said, you know, there there is a huge market um, in the in the niche uh, the niche spirit uh, industry. Um, there are lots of new brands coming to market. We've seen the you know popularity of these gin tasting sessions, which have exploded recently, and it's also had a spillover effect into the likes of vodka, liqueurs, other spirits as well. Um, uh, giving rise to this raft of 
of new spirits uh, uh, being developed. Um, so, of course, on the back of that, new manufacturers have sprung up, and um, and in some cases they're very profitable, like Union, uh, like the uh, the Union um, uh, Distillery. So they're a good fit for the company, um, and given the distribution network British Honey Company has, I think it's got the ability to leverage up and. Uh, make an acquisition, um, reduce the overheads, and add to add to profitability. So if it uh, continues this way, I think it's going to build a great deal more value into the business um, over the next few years. Yes, and, and one I think that we're going to be discussing again, a very good uh, example there of a UK company. So um, I'm sure we're going to be touching on them in the not too distant future. So, Alan, let's um, let's now sort of move on to the the final company that we're going to be discussing uh, today, and that is um, Blue Star Capital. We've discussed in some detail previously um, companies like Bidstack. Um, they're obviously looking at the gaming industry um, through advertising. Um, I've always said I think there's probably another way to to look at uh, the growth in uh, digital gaming, and I think this is something that that Blue Star are very much doing with their focus on on esports. I've got a portfolio there of esports um, games. One of those is um, Guild Esports, that's come onto the market very recently and owned um, in in part by David Beckham. But what's the latest there from uh, from Blue Star Capital? Okay, so um, Blue, Star, Blue Star Capital, yeah, you, you rightly mentioned uh, Guild Esports PLC. Um, Blue Star Capital is a technology investor. Um, it has investments in a, a number of different areas, um, and it moved into esports. Uh, moved into esports in November two thousand nineteen with an initial investment of one hundred fifty thousand across six businesses. Um, just on just on the other um, areas of technology, so. Um, the, the company uh, currently has a market cap of just under 7 million. Shares have traded as high as 0.28p, as low as uh, 0.07p, currently about 0.16 pence. So um, uh, it, 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 it's probably about halfway between the two on the year. Um, so the company owns 27, uh, just under 28% of uh, Satoshi Pay, which is a Blockchain payments company uh, facilitating business to business cross border payments, uh, micro payments, and those are classed as you know when you when there's a, a pay per view say online and it's it's in pence or cents. Uh, um, often the uh, traditional payment platforms uh, it, it's unprofitable to use something like that because of the commission charge, but Satoshi Pay enable that. Um, plus, it provides a, a digital wallet. Um, and uh, 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 Blue Star Capital own uh, 27.7% of that, uh, giving a value of about five, 5 million. So that's a big chunk of the valuation of the company right there. They also have a uh, have a uh, an investment in a company called Staler, worth about 350,000. This is an identity and payment technology company, which is developed uh, in conjunction with Hitachi, um, a, uh, a system called finger pay. So rather than using your fingerprint, it identifies the finger veins, which are, is uh, supposedly far more accurate and uh, and um, and um, and, and uh, secure for uh, for the, for the user. Um, so those are the other the other um, investments of note. Um, as I said, going to, on to esports now, um, they invested in six companies 
in November 2019. Um, as we've already spoken, the esports market is growing rapidly. We're seeing lots of new entrants into the market. Of course, we've spoken before about Gfinity and others. Um, it's 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 estimated by the end of next year that the uh, global market will be worth some two billion dollars. Um, and uh, the w- with Guild Esports, the company uh, um, took a took a six percent stake. Um, and in the in, in the listing, when the company raised two million, of course, as you rightly say, uh, uh, Guild Esports supported by David Beckham and the chairman there is ex-Activision and Red Bull. So, you know, a, a top-notch uh, chairman driving the business forward. Um, the Guild Esports investment is reckoned to be worth about two million um, a, a, as we stand. So so with those two companies alone, you've got the current market cap of Blue Star. Um, in addition to that, they have um, an investment in D- Dynasty Esports, which is a Malaysian um, uh, um, esports uh, platform. There's an estimated 20 million gamers um, uh, um, using uh, platforms in in uh, in that marketplace. Um, with uh, and the marketplace is estimated to be well over half a billion alone. So it's a very it's a very sort of uh, it's a very fast growing and and uh, and uh, a profitable area to, to be in. Um, uh, Blue Star have a 13% stake in Dynasty Esports. Currently worth about 1.3 million. So uh, you just add that on to the total valuation. You see where I'm going with this. Um, in addition to that, they've got uh, stakes in Googly Esports, which is an Indian platform, 11%. They have a stake in in a in a, 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 a female only platform called Dibs and Sports, uh, which is uh, in on the west coast in the USA, just under 14%. They own of that, uh, and then three other platforms: uh, Demons in Australia. Drops uh, esports in Canada and Formation esports in France, where they've got stakes ranging from thirteen percent to nine and a half percent. They also have a stake in Leaf Mobile, which is a Canadian-based TSX-listed company. They've just raised twenty-three million to make an acquisition for Eastside Games, and at the same time, move to the TSX, uh, um, the, the 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 main TSX platform. Their stake there is just under one percent, worth about one hundred forty thousand dollars. So um, uh, the company updated in, in December um, said at that point they'd uh, they'd invested a total of nine hundred thousand into uh, esports companies in two thousand nineteen, uh, which they then increased to one point six eight million, and that portfolio they now believe to be worth uh, three point seven million sterling, um, and that's an unrealized game against that investment of two million. So uh, that's you know there's. There's um the, the, there's some real upside I believe right there against the current uh, valuation of the current of the company, um in its full year results uh, announced last month, um investment values rose seventy eight percent to nine million, uh with a profit of one point seven million from a loss of uh, just under seven hundred thousand previously, and the company has one hundred thirty two thousand cash at the bank, um at this stage the former chief exec Tony Fabrizi uh. Uh, stepped down to pursue other interests, and uh, uh, Derek Liu came in to take over. He's a he's a, a, a long-established uh, um, technology investment veteran based in in Canada. Um, uh, plus, uh, the uh, uh, Rural Elect director Brian Robotham uh, uh, joined as an unexec on the board as well. So, um, again, you know, you've got a great team running the business, uh, a great spread of investments um, that's currently worth 
an awful lot more than the current market cap reflects. So I do think there's a lot more upside to come in Blue Star. So, I mean, there's obviously a disconnect here, Alan, and obviously markets and investors should always be looking for, for, for disconnects. And there's a disconnect between the, the underlying value of their holdings and, and the current market cap. I mean, is that because this is a, a company and a share that's somewhat flying under the radar? Do you think there's some sentiment there around maybe the uh, the assets that they're holding and the values that they have may not be worth as much in the future? I think it's often the way with investment companies. Um, the, 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 the actual valuation of the assets um, uh, aren't reflected and the company ends up uh, um, trading at a discount on the market to those investments. But um, that can change quite rapidly when there is, uh, when there is a perceived upswing in, in the market. And of course, all markets ebb and flow, as we know. Uh, you've got the commodities market. Uh, the ebbs and flows, and the esports uh, market is no exception. But this is a young and burgeoning industry, and uh, of course, we're going to get regular updates from Blue Star as to the status of its various investments in these companies, and also the developments that these companies are making. So those events will move the share price, and then, of course, if there is a big upswing, or if the gaming numbers or the number of gamers, esports gamers worldwide, increase beyond expectations, then uh, I would expect a, a move, a, a move in the share price of Blue Star and also its uh, its uh, its uh, peer group um, um, as a result of that. Yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd have to to agree there, Alan. So three very interesting companies that we've uh, we've been discussing there today, and I'm sure ones that we're going to be discussing again in the not too distant future. So just as a recap there, um, companies we discussed today uh, was Mode with a ticker of M-O-D-E. Just then was Blue Star Capital, ticker B-L-U. And there was also British Honey with a ticker of B-H-C. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.